Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to the Dialogic Disciple Podcast. Uh, my name is James Johnson and I'm here as always with, with Nick Houston. With Nick Houston. And today we have a special guest, Sue Allen, the Director of Women's Ministry here at Northside Church. Sue, how are you doing today? I am great. We are doing this on the fly, having a good time. We so are having a good time. <laughs> we, uh, we actually, Nick and I are sharing a mic today because we couldn't figure out how to get the... Uh, We're experiencing technical difficulties. Yes. Yeah, so we, uh, this may not be the, uh, <laughs> the best situation we've ever been in. Sue, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, this is a conversation that we've been wanting to have, I think, for a, a while now. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that we finally uh, have the opportunity to do that. Um, yeah. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about uh, who you are and your background and how you got to Northside. Okay. Um, I'm Sue, and I got here. We actually moved here in 1995. My husband and I came from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and uh, he's the chaplain over at Lovett School. So we were here for six years, living in Marietta, actually. So this was not the area where we were. He would drive in and go to Lovett, and then uh, I was uh, having children. Uh, we have four kids came here with a six-month-old and left here in 2001 with a two-week-old, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. So we moved to go back to be near our family um, in Pennsylvania, and we just stayed there for two years, and Steve was called back to love it. So we came back, and we came back into the Vinings area um, here, and, uh, and uh, we were looking for a church. 2003, looking for a church, didn't know anyone in this area. I didn't. He knew a bunch of people. But um, we just were looking for churches, and it took us about a year, year and a half. And someone was playing baseball with our son um, on the t NYO team, and they came to this church, and then someone else came to this church, and so we thought, we'll try this church. So we came 2004 in the summer. And the thing that sold me was when I picked up my two, two and a half year old, three, three year old, I guess then, um, he, we walked up the stairs and he said in the atrium with all those, you know, greens hanging down, he said, mom, I think this is where Jesus goes to church. And so that sold me. If, Je if this is where Jesus goes to church, uh, it's good enough for me. So we settled here and, and, you know. Got settled as a family, and yeah, so it was a good beginning. How did you um, How did you end up being the the ministry? Uh, how did you end up get into the ministry here at Northside Church? Interestingly, somewhat I don't know why. I guess because Steve was the uh, chaplain and figured he was good with kids. We were told we were invited to speak at the kids kickoff that that August, and um, so after that someone that I didn't really know called and said, um, you know, I was at the playground with another Northside person and um, we kind of think you should be the children's ministry director. And I'm like, uh, you know, I haven't even taught Sunday school. I've never done anything like that. I've never even thought of being in the church. I was a therapist by trade for 10 years, uh, marriage and family therapy before we had our four kids and I stayed home with them. But I'd never worked in the church or thought of working in the church. And this woman called and said, 
you know, would you think about it? And I said, uh, uh, okay. And she said, well, at least pray about it. And uh, there was a children's minister director at the time, so that it made no sense. And But within six months, that person moved on. And so ended up that I applied um, for for a position in the children's ministry. Catherine Booth came on the same time. We came together, and she and I worked together for a year and a half until um, the women's ministry director was leaving. And my favorite part of the job with the kids was doing Bible study with their moms. So I thought, um, let me look into this, see if that's possible, that that's the next thing for me. So in 2008, I became the women's ministry director. And uh, after I was hired, the next thing, the next day, I uh, knew God, I said in my interview, you guys know me and you know, if you give, if you go in this direction, we're going to have to make a phone call for someone who is going to be organized, someone who is going to be uh, on time, someone who's going to partner with me with the things that I'm not so good at. I'm good pick big picture. I'm good relationally. I have great vision about how to listen to God and help people to do that. But the details are not my forte. So the morning after I was hired, I Krista was in um, Bible study with me. And I called her at 745 the next morning, because I'd probably been up since three. Um, and uh, I called her and I said, hey, you know, I was thinking, um, are, would you and Chris talk about the possibility of you coming to work with me so we could do this together? So we started together right from the start in 2008. Because um, she's, she's everything I'm not, she is, and everything she's not, I am. And so the two of us together are really, really good partners in ministry. That really is a dream team. I've definitely seen that yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, in, in my time here, yes. Another question that we like to ask is just to get to know the staff. I think it's fun to find out um, what church looked like for you when you were growing up and what kind of your experience with church was and how that influences your ministry today. Okay, that's a good question. Um, I was in the first pew, 830 service at the Lutheran Church every week with my parents. We had to sit in the front row because they thought that we'd behave better. The three of us would behave better with lots of eyes on us. So we were there really pretty much. How did that work out? Did you actually behave? <laughs> I remember laughing so hard one time that it was just so embarrassing. But it was, um, yeah, our family was there regularly. And I, I did confirmation there. You had confirmation for two full years with your parents and you had to memorize stuff. You know, it was really, really in depth. And um, so confirmation was huge. So I learned a lot of scripture through that. And then I loved youth group. So we were very active. And I was very active in the youth group and retreats and all that kind of stuff. So it was an important part of my life um, growing up. 
And um, then my husband is a Presbyterian minister who had a dad that was a Presbyterian minister and a grandfather who was a Presbyterian minister. So we ended up connecting. I mean, it was just something the two of us both had as a central thing in our lives from the beginning. And now each of us kind of minister in different ways in this same community, which is really pretty cool. Um, so it, it influences me greatly that that was something that's been growing in my life um, since as long as I can remember. Um, really is neat to see how God pulls those things together. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So, Sue, you, um, you said that you did therapy before, yeah. before and uh, that doesn't shock me at all. That doesn't, that doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, kind of the nature of what you do with the women here uh, and maybe a little bit about how that therapy background might have been helpful. I mean, how often do you use that in, in ministry here at Northside? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Um, I loved being a therapist. I real I went in, you know, I was with with women mainly, and then I got interested in children, and I was a play therapist for several years. And um, so, to me, play therapy um, is about following a child's inner inner person. You know, like I trust that God knows how to heal, and and children, if you can follow them. They will go towards health if they are given an opportunity. So the play therapy was really good for me to look at symbols. What were they teaching me through their play? So um, I felt like God was a part of my therapy uh, experience. Then now in the church, I think one of my strengths is one-on-one relationship with people. Um, I do a lot of walking and talking with women, and um, I do a lot of sitting at the bedside when someone's sick or, uh, you know, grief work with people. And um, it's because I'm not afraid of, you know, I trust God to heal people. Even when it looks the darkest, I I think I'll walk beside you because I know that there's a valley now but there, we're going higher later. You will gain things, and I, I love walking beside. Um, I see such a gift there because that is, I'm not comfortable doing it. Yeah. And it is, I, I see that, how you're able to walk through that and, and be a part of a process that I feel so ill-prepared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so it's, it's the gift that God has grown in me um, that, uh, that I feel like it's just... Uh, natural to be with people on a deep level. And so I, I love conversations at a deep level. I love one-on-one in small groups. And, um, and then I love writing. And my writing is also from that same stream of me learning something every day with God. And then from that place of connectivity with God, I send, I push send and it goes out to people. And then that springboards them into their a quiet time with God and their relationship with God. So it really, the therapeutic nature of, of the work that we do is, is very, very important. It, it's not a surface thing. Um, and and uh, we don't do lots of bells and whistles. We do more 
you know, really being with praying for, responding to the prayer needs of people, and then, you know, really talking with, texting with, checking in with. I trust the Spirit to say, you know, reach out to so-and-so, and I do, and it's like, how did you know to reach out, you know? It, 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 it happens that way a lot, that if we're really listening for the Spirit to lead our ministry, the Spirit's going to do that, and the better listeners we become, the more you just trust it, and you see it all over the place. Um, because of that, because I saw it enough, I went back and got uh, a two-year um, training in spiritual direction, um, at Richmond Graduate University, yeah. and I did that, I think it's two two or three years ago. It was hard because I hadn't been back to school for so long, and I'm dyslexic, uh, undiagnosed, but in the 80s, 70s, you didn't ever really test that. I just have to get myself through school. Well, I have my master's degrees. I, I did this, and I went back, and I was over my head in Dallas Willard. I mean, divine conspiracy, I had to read right away. And I'm like, this is not for me. But because I knew the people on the other side that would be helped by me listening better, by me having these gifts, I knew I had to push through and do really hard things and uh, got through in that two-year program. And it has been awesome. It's been awesome. I I, I was not aware that you had done that. Um, I'm wondering... Uh, what that program involved altogether. I mean, uh, you said it was spiritual direction. Mm -hmm. um, what what all was that program? I mean, what all did you learn yeah. there? What, what did you engage with? Yeah, spiritual direction is a lot, I think, out of the Catholic Church, you know, out of, you know, kind of the contemplative way of thinking about things. Um, and so I don't think it's mainline church knows much about spiritual direction. But what it really is, is really, to me, opening up space and time for a person and together listening to what God is doing in their ordinary life. And oftentimes we meet once a month or every other week. If people are going through a challenging time, sometimes we'll meet more. But it, it's, it's always trying to notice the patterns of God in their life, notice how God's showing up daily and, and, and interest. Because people can talk and I can say, did you notice this and that? and it connects to this, and look at how God's at work, you know, and so we get to marvel at God, you know, really working in the life of ordinary people, and they don't see it sometimes by themselves, but if we can listen well and sit together and give God time, the space gets filled with just wisdom and, and guidance, and um, so I'm doing this, uh, this fall, I'm doing two spiritual direction groups outside in my backyard and um, we'll, we're going to look at what are you losing, what are you loving, and what are you learning um, month by month. We'll answer those three questions. People will journal, kind of fill out their thoughts individually, and then we'll get together and share what is God teaching us right now. I mean, this is such a great time to learn together what God is really directing us to do. Sue, so it's interesting to hear about the work that you're doing on spiritual direction. I don't know um, 
exactly what the right vocabulary to use is, but the uh, conversation we've had in the past on the podcast is about um, worship and being prepared for worship and how other spiritual practices enable us to really, truly worship. <laughs> and it, it seems like you might have some thoughts about um, how spiritual direction and what we do in terms of directed Bible study or prayer and meditation um, and worship all fit together in a way where we're really able to get the most out of it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's about expectation in some way. I think it's about focus and expectation that, you know, you are going to experience God um, daily. We are all going to, and we can pick up that guidance in lots of different ways. And one of them is worship. I mean, the, just what happens when we're together uh in community, um, learning, singing, being together. Worship is one form. It is one spiritual discipline, is worship and fellowship and all of that. To me, uh, the, the spiritual direction, people can think about, how do I hear God best? Some people love to meditate. Some people, yoga is a thing. Some people, like for me, if I could give everybody the gift of falling in love with spiritual journaling, that would be my biggest gift to anyone that I meet in my lifetime because I've, I've write most every day, I've written most every day since I was 25 years old. I have like over, f probably around 450 or 475 journals in boxes at my house because what you do is you expect God to, God's with us, God is guiding us, and if we listen well, we can access that power and we can move forward with our lives in a, a fruitful way because we're taking the time that it takes to, to connect. So silence and solitude and connectivity with God, praying, I pray best when I'm writing. I listen best when I'm writing. And so spiritual direction um, is born out of um, the expectation that God's going to speak and God's going to speak to you in your own kind of language and finding what that is. And so these Bible studies we do a lot of times, it's talking about, so how are you hearing God? I mean, what helps you? What activities? What people? What opportunities open up? your relationship to be able to hear God um, because we have a self-revealing God that does it every day. Are we listening is the question. Are we, to, you know, tuning ourselves into that wavelength or not? And um, so we can come to worship expectant that God is going to use this time to grow us. So, Jay, I feel like this fits into our conversations about the Holy Spirit on the podcast in the past. Yeah. And um, it, it really is, I got to say, it's a little bit convicting about how much we expect God to show up. Um, and so you feel uncomfortable talking about the Holy Spirit if you aren't expecting God to show up. But it changes the tenor of the conversation if you are expecting an act of God to speak. Every moment of every day, right? In some way, shape, or form. And, 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 and to expect that this God of great variety is communicating with us 
And if we can get better and better at noticing the the way God is speaking, we we can be then it grows our trust, it grows our relationships because really we're investing in mutual relationships that God grows up within. And you know, the Holy Spirit and you and the Holy Spirit and me have a great conversation. That's what happens in my living room where I teach. The women, it's like the Holy Spirit, I feel like it's like kind of popcorn. Like you walk in the door and you don't know what you're gonna learn. You've read the chapter, but you don't know what you're gonna learn in this 90 minutes. You come kind of as a kernel of corn and then things start heating up with the Holy Spirit there. And one person says one thing, it's like a popping popcorn. And then that, that touches off something that you're thinking. And then that person, and, and it's like, I like that it's a like a huge bowl of popcorn. We pop every week and, and, and it, we do it together. I expect the lesson is in each person. Portion of the lesson is in each person. And that if we can get together, the Holy Spirit can speak among us in ways that um, we can't do on our own. But that's what the church is. Yeah. You know, we need to be together being learning. And, and, and that's what this COVID thing is challenging. It's forcing us into creative ways of connecting with one another that is not the highway. It's the back road of texting when the Spirit leads calling when someone's on our heart, um, you know, emailing, uh, walking and talking, you know, getting together with the people that are essential in our lives. Um, so many of the people that are essential in my life are from the church. Um, and I think uh, that's a, that's a pretty good, um, that's a pretty good promo for, uh, Northside small groups right there, as well as the small groups that you do and the ones that we have in men's ministry as well. Yeah. So if you had to pick one spiritual discipline, it sounds like you would pick spiritual uh, journaling. I would pick journaling, hands down, because that's how I hear God best. Do you ever go back and look at your old journal? I do. It's one of my favorite forms of exercise. Get on an elliptical, open up to whatever year of my life, and I can be in tears yeah. reading because it's in, it, is, it is firsthand. It is my rawest emotions. And I can get back to being an overwhelmed, you know, 40-year-old mom with all these little kids crawling all over me. And I can't, I can't yeah. get a breath. I got to tell you, I taught my little kids how to journal because I needed to do it so bad when I was a mom because it was my lifeline. So I have many journals where in that age I, I have I, I'm writing on one side and the other person has little scribbles on this side. And I'd go, OK, are, are you done? Are you ready? Let's turn the page. And I did that when they were little. And then very soon they would want their own journals so they would get their own journal. There are many journals at our house that where it's just scribbled. They don't even know how to write. Um, if we could figure out a way to interpret that scribbling. It was so great. It was so great. And I kept them. I have them yeah, in their awesome. boxes. That's amazing. But the other thing, my favorite story about journaling, though, is my five-year-old had her little friend over, Kate, when we lived in Pennsylvania. And um, Kate came. There was like a ruckus in the living room, these two five-year-old girls. And I'm like, and Kate comes Tra traipsing into the kitchen where I am and I said hey Kate what's up and she goes Tess is in there doing her diarrhea <laughs> and I am like 
I, in my, in my heart, I am laughing like that. And I am thinking, this is a perfect word choice. Yeah. I mean, like, you think diary, yeah. but this really, when you are really spiritually journaling when you are pouring yourself out to God it is more like diarrhea sometimes you know it's like getting the refuse out of your system and it has a place to go God just kind of catches it all um and you know it's amazing that's amazing (laughs) I don't know do you might want to cut that out no no that's definitely staying um I wonder, Sue, if you can talk to us a little bit about your method of doing that uh, and, or how you instruct others to do that. I think if, if um, I, I, I agree with you that, that journaling is, is an incredible, I wish I did it more um, and I'm always rewarded when I do. Um, but what's your method? Well, how do you go about doing that or how do you instruct others to do it? Yeah, when I think about journaling, it's kind of like starting on writing a paper in college and you just stare at a blank it's page horrible. or a computer. Yeah. I, so yeah. I would love to hear. Yeah. Well, for me, I think this is what I believe. I think if we give God an inch and we give God open space, we give space in this journal, God will take us the mile. You know, his mile, we'll learn the things that God wants to to teach us if we give the time, the space, the open page and just expect God to speak into our lives um, and, and to, you know, it's, it's really, to me, it's like praying on the page. Um, it's, it's, you know, journaling to me is praying on the page, going, okay, God, I, I feel this. I'm scared of that. I, I'm pissed off about this. I can't believe such and such and such and such. And by the time I'm done writing about such and such and such and such, I, it, it, the realization is I have something to learn myself. Usually what I'm mad about in someone else, as I'm journaling, I recognize, oh, okay, so it's not about that other person, it's about me. And if I can get through the bottom, to the bottom of my feelings with God, then I can learn and let it go. And it's almost like, I know it's going to well back up, but if I can put it out there, the page goes from blank to filled, and that's whatever God needed to get out of my system, I feel like then I'm a little freer, you know, when I get up from a journaling time. Now, I know that people hate to write. Some people hate to write. It's not everybody's mode. I would say uh, the problem with writing is sometimes we think it's going to be like you have to dot every I and cross every T and, you know, have to write correctly. Instead of, I doodle sometimes, I will do my grocery list in the middle of my prayer time with God. I will, I'll do scriptures, I'll do, you know, uh, sometimes you use colored pencils, sometimes I... Have you ever tried to do um, like uh, an audio journal, like maybe record your thoughts? I wonder if that might be an option for people. You know, that would be. Some people do that. Some people do it on the computer, too. You know, they'll keep it. They're easier, you know, if they're writing on the computer. To me, I need the pen. I need the paper. I need to see it go from blank to full. And and the reason for me is I am dyslexic. I am ADD. Unless I center all of myself uh, in this activity, I'm going to be all over the place, unable to really hear God, because if I can use my fingers, feel the pencil, if I can see it with my eyes, if I can read it out loud and hear it back, if I can, you know, 
notice all of these elements of myself coming together with God on the page, then I feel like I'm integrating myself in the process uh, of doing this and do it every day. And that means you have a reflected upon life and you go, okay, God, we started, we left off here. We're going there. Let me watch you evolve yourself in my life. So to use journaling as a part of a spiritual discipline to be something consistent about a routine that you're in, is it a set amount of time, a set time of day? Is it a, a regular like you know me? I, I, well, that's why I'm yeah. that's why I'm asking the question. No. I'm really curious. Yeah. Like, no, can you journal at four a.m. or I, at eight p.m.? Yeah, at, yeah, I can I can journal anytime that it, you know, because I, and God has always woken me up in the middle of the night. That is my most, that's when no one needs a wife or a mommy. I mean, for the years, I would, I would write in the middle of the night because it was quiet. It was dark. It was just me. And God and I just got that time together. And it was, it's almost, it's my lifeline. And, um, you know, it's really, but that God captured me that way. And unless I think everyone has to find a discipline that they love, that they're captured by, because it shouldn't be that I do it because I should, you know, yeah. you got to do it because you can't not do it. It sounds like journaling, though, is one that can bounce off into many other disciplines like mm -hmm. prayer and study and all those things can mm -hmm. be done. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as Jumping off from journaling. The, the waking up in the middle of the night thing, I think you and I both have the same kind of sleep schedule, same kind of... Uh, I, I read recently that there's this the internal struggle uh, with people who, uh, you know, in the mornings it seems like you're more productive, but at night you're more creative. And that middle of the morning, 3 a.m. time period, you're both, right? I mean, because you're in the morning, you're early morning, and you're late at night. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, for me, that's when it, that's when it, the confluence happens. I'm surrounded by geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the other thing I think is, you know, they talk about the watches of the night. I feel like I'm up for a watch of the night. I really am. And they, I they've, uh, they've said that, that that's genetic. I mean, that it's almost evolutionary, that there are certain people who are genetically predisposed to be awake at night because yep. it was an evolutionary advantage. It's an advantage we in my life. I mean, I may live shorter because uh, because I've been up for many hours more than uh, other people. <laughs> See, now, I feel like I did hear at some point in time that Thomas Edison would get up and work in the middle of the night and then go back to sleep. That's that what I do. And, and now that I don't have little kids, I can go back to sleep. Um, you know, and uh, before kind of someone would start waking up and my journaling would go into my mommying and it was, I didn't get a lot of sleep. Um, I nap, I nap every day. I, I nap every afternoon. So, uh, one bit of insight would be for everyone to realize that they have the staff that never sleeps. <laughs> Um, that's what we've discovered when we do overnight retreats together. It's so true. That there is always somebody on staff awake. Yes, it's so true. And and that's a good thing. When I can email someone or I can text someone and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I was, God had me up praying for you. And they're, they feel cared for, you know, there's a caring that, that people, when there's someone's do, taking the night shift. The night shift, yeah. It's, yeah. it's awesome. I would not change it. Would you change it if you could? Um... There have been times in my life that I have wanted to change it. I've tried actively to change like my uh, the way that the way that I my sleep patterns or whatever. But what I realize is I can just live on less sleep. I actually don't need as much sleep as as maybe other people do. Me too. Um, yeah, I don't find that I need that much. Um, so 
I do remember staff retreats when basically like I would hand the baton to you. All right, it's 3 a.m. I'm going to bed. We got on the dock. There you go. Okay. All right. Your turn. Yeah. You know, for me, I think that um, I miss, I miss getting together with everybody, yeah. and and you know, and I do get the chance to do it more in my ministry than many others do, because I, I people reach out to me and say, "Hey, can we walk? Can yeah. we walk and talk?" Like, probably once or twice a day, I have somebody scheduled, and we walk and talk for an hour or two. Like one time last week. Someone who had lost a, their husband recently. It was the first time I got to see her, and she was ready to walk. She was ready to talk, and we walked and talked for an hour and a half. And then I stayed for two more hours in her garden, and it was so amazing—three and a half hours um, of of really being, you know, just learning together about this process of grief. It was. It was beautiful. It was a God-given thing. It's, and you know what? I feel like the uh, best use of my time is when I'm feeding someone and they're feeding me at the same time. And it's this mutually beneficial thing because I want to learn about the grief of somebody else. I, I'm curious about how is she getting up in, in the middle of, you know, how does she get up in the morning after, you know, how does she go to bed? I, I don't, I've never been through that amount of grief. And so I want to learn from her so that if and when, because it will, happens for me, I want to learn from other people how they're getting through. And usually it is about really deepening their faith and trusting that God is getting them through somehow. And that's, I mean, you said this before, but that's exactly what the church is for. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what we're here for. Um, and I was doing a, doing a study on 1 Corinthians right now, and that's what Paul is all about. He's all about how the church is, uh, where the Spirit is poured out. Like When you really want access to the Spirit, it's the church that you go to. And I don't mean the building. I mean just another Christian yeah. believer, right? So, so true. Um, that's, and I think that's, I hear that's what you're describing. Um, and, you know, I just was reading... In, in Matthew about, you know, the first time church is used in Matthew is when Peter, I mean, they get him away. They, he takes the disciples away to Caesarea Philippi or however you say it. And, um, and it's, it's like a place where there's all these pagan gods, all these other things going on. And he takes them away and he says, okay, so who do you say? You know, firstly, what are people saying about me? Who are people saying that I am? And then um, he'd say, uh, you know, they list off, you know, some people think this, some people think that. And then he narrows it down to what, who do you say I am? And Peter has an answer. Always always the one to run in first, right? Yeah, but he has an answer. and, And Jesus says, that was not anything you learned from any human being. That is not anything you were taught by anyone else. That came directly from God. And that revelation, this self-revealing God is what I'm going to build my church on. So I think both, yes, this is the Messiah, this is the Redeemer, this is, but we not only have a Savior, we have a God that is, you know, guiding us day in and day out, a self-revealing God that if we learn to listen, our life is going to be filled with joy, filled with, uh, you know, 
power, right. there's going to be healing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love this. I, I love the, I love the idea of, I mean, I love the reality of the self-revealing God and how God works that way. We were talking about this earlier in Bible study about the paradox of faith where uh, in order to believe in God, God has to be revealed to you, but you can't, God can't be revealed to you unless you already have faith. And, and, and there's like this kind of, not, not quite like that, but you can't believe unless you're given faith and you can't be given faith unless you believe. Uh, and really the only thing you have to do is get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the way that you're describing, um, I think that's what I'm hearing and what you're describing is basically, you know, getting out of the way of God and letting God reveal God's self. Right. And also being a good listener. We can train ourselves in listening. That's we can't make God reveal God's self. How would we do that? That's to me has been my life goal is trying to learn how do I interact and really have this God guide my life. And, and it comes from conversations with other believers. It comes from my journaling. It comes from the opportunity to really walk around and look at how nature works. You know, I mean, it, there's just so many different ways God reveals God's self. And just like Jesus healed so differently throughout the Bible, God speaks so differently. And yet um, every moment of every day, it's possible and so I think that's what I think uh, church helps us to do. We are people following, seeking, wanting that voice to be the voice that guides us. Let me, <laughs> let me ask you, um, since uh, I feel like you have the wisdom here, uh, um, I know that you do. So. In, we do live in a world that's full of distractions, right? We got a lot of things to listen to out there. What is what is um, what is a method? I mean, what? How can we as as believers, as disciples, learn to to kind of get the to get the other voices out of there, the other distractions out of there, and really l- learn to listen to God? Like, what? Can you give me like three steps? Like, three steps <laughs> for me? Yeah. What well, three steps that you think might apply? Three steps that have helped me. That's the best way. to Yeah. Do that. yeah. Like I'm not on Facebook. I'm not Twitter or tweeting. I do no social media. I got off the train at email. I do so no like technology. Yeah, yeah. Whatever year that was, I email. I I email. I am I, interacting yeah. on email. I am not looking at all the beautiful things everybody else is doing. I, so for me, the comparison thing is less because it's not coming in at me, right? And um. If, if I choose to tune, turn on the news, I will watch different types of people. I want to he- watch both conventions, right? I want to hear, you know, the, uh, because to me, I, I'm curious about people. And I, I, but as I'm interacting with, you know, the world around me, I'm always thinking, okay, God, what do I learn from this? How do I ground myself in you in the midst of all this because you know god's the same yesterday today and tomorrow and he's revealing more and more of himself to us over time and so for me that's that's i need to be grounded in the voice of god it sounds like you have a, a pretty good doctrine of of presence about you like being present in the moment yes is, is very important for you yeah. um, and you I know, love starting in the morning I liked beginning waking up knowing okay god what are we going to learn today? 
You know, I, I mean, there's an excitement of waking up in the morning and doing that. Even if it's three in the morning, even if it's, you know, early, I'm like, yes, let me figure out something that you want me to learn. I really do love this combo of uh, Sue and James in the room and the different <laughs> things that I've heard y'all say over time. Um, one of my favorite things that James has said, and I don't know where he got it from, but um, it's good. So it must have been somebody else. Um <laughs> And that is that you're practicing to be somebody or you're practicing to be something. So what are you practicing to be? Mm -hmm. And then hearing Sue come out with, you know, making time for God, being intentional about having a space and and believing that God is teaching you something and you're trying to learn something. And there's definitely this sense of with those two thoughts combined that are you practicing to be a person who listens to God? Are you practicing to expect God to be present um, or not? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And so hearing you say, I'm, you know, I'm not on social media. I stopped at email. Um, I know so many people who are so consumed with mm -hmm. all the stuff that you've got to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about this culture of busyness. Mm -hmm. um, have we done that on the podcast, James, or is that just incidental? Well, and also, isn't this a great time to be have our distractions be limited, like no sports. I mean, my husband was so sad. This would have been the first football weekend for college. And he's like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? I mean, it's, it's we're going to do great things in, oh my gosh. in place. Yeah, Sue, so just as a as, last night, the power went out at my house and it was out for like three hours. So much so this is how desperate it was. I went to bed. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. At like 11.30, I went to bed because I was like, I literally have nothing to do. My, my computer is out of power, and my phone's about to die, and I can't, I had no candles, I was in pitch black darkness, I was like, can't read, can't do anything. Like, literally just went to bed because, and then I woke up at like 3 a.m. when all the lights came on all of a sudden, right? And uh, I was like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, but I, I had a moment of recollection, a reflection there, uh, as I was sitting in the dark, I was like, this is really sad, like... I picked up my guitar and played it for a little bit in the dark. I did that, but it's really sad that I can't, I can't bring myself to do something, find something. You know, I, this would have been a perfect moment to just sit there in prayer, right? And yeah, you know, interesting you say that because I've heard, and this may be our wiring, um, I've heard of something called second sleep, and it's like the Amish or Mennonite or something. They would go to sleep when the power was out because there's no power. You know, when it got dark, they'd go to bed and then they'd wake. God would wake them in the middle of the night. They'd put on a candle and they would do the quiet time in the middle of the night. And then they'd go back to bed and they'd wake when the sun rose. And so they were very oriented towards the dark and the light. And I feel like internally somehow I'm very oriented to the dark and the light and recognizing, you know, when I wake up in the dark, there is something for me, you know, and I, I, I love to turn on the lamp and just sit and journal. And what is it, God, yeah. with my Bible, with my journal, you know? you know, we use that metaphor a lot, the light and the dark, when we're talking about spiritual terms and, and Jesus uses it a lot in the Gospel of John. But we live in a world now where we never have to live in the dark. Yeah. You know, so I want that mm -hmm. metaphor is. I don't know if it's lost power, but people, um, people who embody it, like you've talked about in like the the second the second uh, second morning uh, second whatever second sleep second sleep yeah, yeah. second sleep um, people who embody it that that metaphor takes on a little bit more powerful uh, more power I bet mm -hmm. in being embodied like that, um, but for people who never live in the dark the 
the dark is never valued, I guess. Right. Right. And there are treasures that only are found in the dark. I mean, and that's the thing that I learn with people who are grieving, with people who are struggling with depression, with people who are in the midst of an addiction and, and really, really wrestling with it. There are treasures I know. If I can be with them, we will discover treasures that only come in the dark. And those treasures are things that we can bring up and out into the world and uh, others benefit from it. You think about the time that we're in right now during this pandemic as being a dark time for a lot of people. Um, I wonder what treasures are out there, you know. They're right here. Yeah. They're at yeah. our fingertips. Are we, are we excitedly open to what is it that we are going to learn from this? Well, I mean, we were, Nick, we were even just saying some of the methods that we're learning to teach and learning to connect, we might want to keep some of them. Oh, yeah. There's definitely things we've done, you know, through the course of the pandemic to, you know, adjust the way we're doing ministry to still touch, you know, it reaches out to more people. Yeah. And it's gone even further. I mean, we have people all over the country tuning in and doing worship and Bible studies and things because everybody's at a distance. I had had somebody tune in from Ireland to Bible study last Monday. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. So there's absolutely things that we've kind of been pushed forward to learn through this process that I could see keeping up doing because um, it's another way to to reach people. Well, and you know that it's been said that it's not, this pandemic's not a disruptor, it's an accelerator. So the direction we were going is really just being accelerated. And God is wanting to do big things, healing things, important things with us. And if we if we can let go of the fear, and trust that God is doing amazing things, instead of going, oh, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right. going, my gosh, I <laughs> get to live through this pandemic. It's almost yeah. I think uh, just my experience last night when the lights got shut off on me. You know, that's kind of that. In that moment, you can make a you can make a decision to be like, well, all right, I guess, you know. Uh, woe is me. Um, woe is me. Uh, you know, <laughs> or you can say, well, there's, you know, maybe something's trying to get my attention. What have, what have I not been paying attention to mm-hmm. that yes. I was being distracted, you know, and not seeing? Uh, I think we've done a lot of that at Northside Church and, and really um, uh, across the nation. We've seen some things that we weren't paying attention to before. Sure. anything else that you in particular want to get out into the world just that i'm excited we're starting up our classes the 14th of september Mm -hmm. and we're going to have two nighttime classes one going to be hybrid with people in the room and zooming the other one going to be all zoom and then two classes during the day one at 7 45 or 7 30 in the morning one at 10 in the morning one is going to have both a component that has people that want to do online and people that want to come in the church and, and be face-to-face. And then the other is going to just be, um, I think they're doing face-to-face only. 
Are and all those the same topic or different topics? Different topics. The, they're with the teachers that have taught for us for, for a long while. And so they know the group, the basic group that will come, and then more and more can add into it. So they are open to people oh, who want to yeah. join or not. Yeah. Yeah. So Zoom or face-to-face. And then I'm doing something that's for somebody that is overwhelmed with the responsibilities that they have at their in their life. Either they're a parent that their kid's learning from home and they they're like i can't zoom when my kid needs me to do this so you can't even zoom you can't come into the church so i'm doing something that's going to be completely uh god guided through the email nice uh and so um it's gonna and elizabeth and i are coming up with it and it's this creative way interactive yes it's an interactive yes and that's gonna be amazing like we have my voice recorded Uh right next to the beach um i i read book the 63 (laughs) parts of this book gifts from the sea and and so the recording will be there and uh, music videos and quotes and all that type of stuff and people can go through it at their own time in the middle of the night if they want and, Do you, and then we're going to connect on um, at the second half of the week. We'll be connecting with other people okay. about on email through yeah. email. How are what are you learning? What God is what is God teaching you? Are you doing are you personally doing any Zoom uh, situations? No. You're not. OK. I, was I have ask taught you for some one advice. time by <laughs> Zoom. She stopped with email. Yeah, right, I yeah, stopped. I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one time I taught because I love the group that asked me and it was horrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I the it experience took, for yeah. me. I felt like I need interaction. Yeah, I was going to ask you for some advice, but apparently, no. You know, yeah. I had fifty women that I didn't even see their faces. Oh, wow. Have to. That's a and lot like, for Zoom. I, I'm not going to be able to gather yeah. anybody's yeah. responses, and uh, so I just taught. Um, and um, yeah. And and people can read what you write and and some of your other stuff at sue to you dot com yeah sue to you dot com with a t o sue to you dot com and yeah so I write every morning God teaches me something every morning we have a bunch of guys who listen to yeah, your yeah. who watch who read your your uh, yeah your and they table, put, the and everyone then sends it out to their friends and family I mean it goes out to like. 3,000 people, yeah, awesome. and again, yeah. throughout the nation yeah. and the world, you know, I have this woman that is a keeps up from Norway, mm-hmm. and a many from Canada. So interesting. Is the uh, podcast reaching 3,000 people, Jay? <laughs> I, I believe so. Yes. <laughs> no, well, it's only because so. <laughs> people pass it along. Yeah. You know, it's like people, like, and that's what we're going to do with this thing with Elizabeth. Yeah. Well, people can forward it to their friends and say, "Hey, why don't you read this with me? Or why don't you do this with me? And we'll talk about it. Let's you and I go walk and talk, yeah. or let's get together and four of us discuss it. Um, it's going to be free for everybody to that's just awesome. utilize in whatever they want, and God can use it in any way they want. That's you know, so God cool. wants that's to. Good. That's really cool yeah that's good discipleship yeah um well sue i think i think uh we had a great conversation today it's uh, fun no, we did have a great conversation no, <laughs> I, I think, think we did I too say, I, think, I think we're wrapping up but uh sue thank you so much yeah. for being here today and taking the time out of your day uh to come here and talk with us i hope that you'll do it again um Anytime. we we have a few different series planned uh for later this year uh, that I think your voice would be absolutely uh, key or to hear. Uh, it, we're going to do a series on the spiritual disciplines, which mm-hmm. you, we talked about mm-hmm. before, and, and to have you come back and talk a little bit more about some spiritual disciplines that have mm-hmm. been uh, fruitful for you, I think mm-hmm. would be great. Um, yeah. Nick, do you have anything you want to say? That's a good podcast right there, James. <laughs> 
Nick approved. Well, Sue, thank you so much. Yes, this was great. Thank you, guys. All right, Northside, we'll see you next week. <laughs>